Hey, I'm Erin Bridgman, a money mindset and management coach for the creative entrepreneur. I'm the girl behind the Wealthy Woman movement that's reaching thousands and expanding each and every month. And I'm so glad you've decided to join this community too. Welcome to the Wealthy Woman podcast for creative female entrepreneurs looking to get strategic with their money. I believe that wealthy women will change the world. And in this podcast, we include money-related mindset and management tips and practical business advice you can apply right away. No fluff here. It's time to take action. Let me shoot it to you straight. Talking about money is like talking about sex. It's vulnerable and uncomfortable, but so necessary. And that's why I've created a judgment-free zone where women like you can trade the shame and money skeletons in your closet with empowerment and confidence that helps you master your money. I'm both the creative and the nerd, the no bullshit friend and your hype girl. And I'm excited to be your guide on your money journey. All your dreams are tied to money. So it's time to get that money working for you so you can make your dreams a reality together. Your business should be the catalyst to living your dream life. So don't let your money be the obstacle. Grab your notebook and your favorite drink and let's dive in. Hey, hey, wealthy women and welcome back to the show today. It's just me and I'm kind of excited for the direction of the chat I want to have on today's episode. I've been really excited because I've been able to spend more time inside of my business as we're starting to get some things solved inside of real estate and get some systems going. And so I'm able to spend less time there and more time in my business. And so it's been really fun. I've been getting to work with more one-on-one clients. It's so cool how I like set that intention, like May, I am going to start working with more women and I just started getting inquiries and people reaching out and I just love how that can happen. And for me, this isn't even the point of this podcast, but I just want to share, like, as I was reflecting on that, what that did for me is it helped build evidence that I can take a break in my business. I can take a pause and it built evidence against one of my biggest limiting beliefs around money, which I have so grateful for the work ethic I have, but one of my limiting beliefs is often that I have to work really, really hard to make things happen, that things can't come with flow, with ease. And so this just helped kind of give me evidence against that. I wasn't on top of my marketing game, my email game. I haven't been consistent on social for many months. And I set that intention and I showed up with energy and excitement. And I'm not kidding you from literally crickets to having, I think I've onboarded four or five new clients in this past six weeks. So pretty exciting stuff. And anyways, as I've been getting to work with more clients and getting to dive deeper into more money work one-on-one with people, it's been so interesting to reflect on some of the things around the brain and money and just our thinking and our mindset and how much that impacts our ability to be in fear or in abundance. And so I have just five different concepts, whether it's just my own personal reflections of stuff I've been reading, some stuff I've been pondering, some stuff that's been coming up for me with working with clients. So let's just dive in to these five things and just kind of see where the conversation goes. So 
The first thought I have is on the power of belief. And this is so critical. If you believe something is possible or not possible, that's where it all begins. Because our brains cannot, right? When we think of that thought loop I've talked about before, what we think becomes our feelings, our actions, and our results. If we do not inherently believe that we have the ability to be wealthy, if we don't inherently believe that we have the power to save money, to stop spending, to begin to have investments, to live a debt-free life, whatever that is for you, specific to money, it's going to be near impossible to achieve it because our brain is just going to block that ability and we're going to continue to live into our current beliefs and habits. And when I say this, my spin on this or my thought on this is you don't have to believe it a hundred percent. And that's the hard thing, right? Well, Aaron, if I've lived my whole life with this debt or I've lived my whole life with paycheck to paycheck type of style of living, not having savings, you're not going to be able to come out and be like, I with a hundred percent certainty know that I'm going to be able to have $20,000 in my bank account within the next year. That might be a very extreme leap for you. But what you have to start to do is to start making these sort of micro changes in your thinking. And we're going to talk a little bit later about confirmation bias and the importance of evidence, which I think goes along with this idea of belief. But you have to start to say, I believe I'm a woman that can save $1,000. And I could do that in the next month or so, or I could do that in the next few months. And that is you starting to believe that you can be a saver. Again, you could even say that in an affirmation. I believe I have the ability to save, that I am a woman who saves. I will have $1,000 in a savings account within the next 60 days. And affirmations help us put on repeat, which is important for changing the way that our brain is wired. We have to have that repetition. And so I know you might not be able to be like, I'm a saver. I'm excellent at saving. Look at all the money in my savings account. Like that might feel phony and your brain knows when it's phony. So the power of belief, I was reading just sort of like skimming. I've already read Marie Forleo's Everything is Figure Outable, but I was feeling, I need a little pump up. I just love her and how she writes. And I love that book. And I was reading chapter three and I was just finding myself underlining so much and resonating with so much there. And she really talks about this belief and the the whole thing of like, if you don't believe, game over. If you don't believe it's possible, game over. And I was remembering about sort of the placebo effect and how it's so crazy to me how incredibly powerful our brain is, our belief is. If you believe you're getting a treatment and you can see this in all different types of studies. I'm not quoting a specific study and everyone knows this, I think, but I'm not an expert on the brain, (laughs) but I am an expert on money and mindset and all that stuff. So this is coming through my own filter and my own expertise, but you could be sitting next to somebody in different studies and one person can be receiving the actual treatment. While one person 
is receiving a pill that they believe is treatment. They have the same condition. One's receiving treatment. One's receiving the sugar pill. They're still having the same ability or close to of healing. And they're literally not getting treatment. And so what does that show us? It shows us that the power of belief can literally heal your body. And that's what we need as humans. And I want you to have that sink in for you. I think what we can see from the placebo effects, it shows us how much our beliefs and expectations can influence our body and the mind-body connection. And it's very much illuminating for us the importance of positive beliefs, of hope, of optimism, and how they can lit, how much they can have impact on the quality of our life and how much they can have impact on literal results. As humans, I think we'd underestimate the power that we have. We under, underestimate power of our thinking. And so the placebo effects are so fascinating to me. I think there's actual book on this, but I was listening to Why Woo Woo Works in the first chapter. It's very sciencey, but if you're interested in hearing studies and hearing more about the placebo effect, I point you there. So what you believe is your reality. And maybe an exercise, a way to evaluate your belief is just reflect back on the past 48 hours and see some of the beliefs you see in action. And you could see the positive beliefs, you could see the negative beliefs, and you could see how that they're manifesting in your life. Okay, that took a little longer than I thought. Let's get to to the second sort of reflection I have on this whole money, mindset, brain, behavior stuff. So the second one is just the importance of our language. Our language is a direct reflection on our beliefs and sometimes many times our subconscious beliefs. And in conversations with my clients and even some with my colleagues, I've asked permission to reflect back some tweaks that they can make inside of their language to help them live into greater possibility and greater abundance. Just for example, someone was recently sharing with me about how something was expensive. And many times our tone around it being expensive is a negative. It's a negative energy, not like a check out my expensive car. That's not what I'm talking about. They're using that word that in a way that's kind of expensive. And yet they're saying it's great for their business. It provides great ROI. And so instead of saying the language of, yeah, it's just like so expensive. What if you just made this small tweak of saying with a different tone and just some different verbiage? Yeah, it's been a great investment. And I think that brings you out of this sort of scarcity vibe of like, it's so expensive, meaning I don't know if I have enough resources. I don't know if I can keep it up. Like there's so much behind that tone and that thought versus it's a great investment which shows confidence in spending your money. It shows confidence in the ability that there's great ROI and you make great investment decisions. 
So that's just one example. Another example I've reflected on is when I start working with people, I ask them about their goals. The first call you've got on with me. So if you are thinking about working with me one-on-one, the first thing that we do is just get on a call and I dive into sort of your current financial reality and if my work can really support you. And I notice I talk about goals. Where do you want to be in six months? Where do you want to be in a year? And I hear people caveating their goals. And many times, obviously in this context, I'm asking that specifically in other ways, people aren't as conscious of the fact that they're explaining their goals or whatever, but they'll say things like, I know it's a really big goal. And they're saying it with this tone that's sort of apologetic. They're putting these words around big goal, too big is what they're saying. I know it's kind of crazy. I know it's probably not possible. And so they'll say like, I know it's kind of crazy, but my goal is to pick up all my debt. And that feels really big. And you're subconsciously blocking yourself there by having that tone and having that posture and having that verbiage that the goal is too big. And so right there, you're already telling yourself it's probably not realistic. I'm probably reaching too far. And so I would just tweaking that to saying I'm really excited and I'm explaining the tonality by saying it should be with excitement. It should be with confidence. I have some big goals. You could literally say the same thing with a different energy that I'm really excited about. I'm really excited to pay off all my debt, just the tonality. But sometimes the word can be the problem because we can block ourselves by using the word big as in, oh my gosh, I have this really big goal or I want to hit this big goal. Just say, I want to hit this goal. I'm on my way. Eliminate the big. Okay. So the importance of making small tweaks in our tone, in our, our language, it might be small tweaks. It'll reap huge shifts. And this is a way to sort of tap into the subconscious. So for you, as you're listening, I want you to reflect on some recent things that you've said about yourself, about your goals, about money. And it might actually be something that you would be a better exercise to not do retroactively, but take the next 24 hours and open that notes apps in your phone And write down some of the things that you're collecting around the things that you're saying about yourself, about money, about your success, and see those small tweaks that you might need to write and might need to change. Okay. The third point I want to talk about is how we create psychological blocks for ourselves. And we do this specifically with money. And I don't have necessarily like massive insights of how to change this, or, I mean, it's obvious it's all the other stuff I'm talking about, but I think it's very interesting to reflect on. So a couple of things, one, someone in my mastermind was working on her launch and she really wanted to be able to hit a different number in her launches. And she's like, I always hit just the same number, the same number. And I think that we can see that 
happening in our lives in all different ways where you're like, why did I just make $99,000 annually? Why didn't I hit the hundred? Why do I keep hitting just like right under that $300,000 mark? Why can't I quite get my net worth to a million or whatever? Like we have these certain levels, these certain barriers that often bring up these psychological blocks. And it's important to dig into why, what are you believing? Again, there's a reason I started with the power of belief that is keeping you at that level. I had this opportunity to be inside of this invite only mastermind before convert kits conference. And it was so awesome. I overheard this one of really brilliant men I look up to in the industry. And he was talking about this very thing to somebody else, to another colleague, we were in a conversation around money. And he was talking about the fact that it felt like every time I just kept hitting, I can't remember the exact number, but kept hitting like $200,000 revenue, 200,000 in revenue, 200,000 in revenue. And I was really frustrated. Why am I not hitting past this number? And when he looked into it, he reflected on his upbringing, on how I think both of his parents worked multiple jobs. They worked a ton. They had very little extra. They lived a very modest life. And he was having these internal conflicts and beliefs around like, I don't want to make my parents uncomfortable with the amount of money I'm bringing in. I don't want to make more than them because I don't want to make them uncomfortable. And so what he noticed as he drilled into that belief was that he was starting to do self-sabotaging behaviors when it came close to hitting that mark. And they obviously weren't super obvious self-sabotaging behaviors because otherwise you would probably not have to dig so deep into the belief and into what's going on. You would just be like, why the heck do I turn off my ads or why am I stopping showing up or why am I not launching that additional thing or asking for raising the prices or whatever it is. And so I just think it's very interesting that if you're finding yourself continuing to hit certain blocks, there is something deeper going on there and it's not just your strategy. So wanted to illuminate that. Okay. Number four is this idea of confirmation bias. And I'm actually going to read the definition just straight off of Google of confirmation bias to give us some context for this. Confirmation bias is the tendency to interpret new evidence as confirmation of one's existing beliefs or theories. This happens all of the time. And I think it's important to remember the main function of our brain, other than keeping our body going, our heart beating, our lungs breathing, all those things that are subconscious, but take up quite a bit of the capacity of the brain. Our brain is designed to keep us safe. And 
So confirmation bias is almost like a specific way we can see this happening. And I think sometimes when we can get into specifics, it allows us to then (laughs) dissect and change what we're doing. Confirmation bias can happen for us in both positive and negative ways. If you find yourself with sort of a scarcity mindset, a belief that you're always going to be in the same financial situation that you're in, you're always going to be in debt, or you're always going to have no savings, always going to load whatever your scarcity, fear, limiting belief is, you are then going to work to actively see stories, actively see experiences in your life that are going to reinforce that belief. So you're going to downplay evidence of abundance. You're going to downplay evidence of success, dismissing it as maybe like, oh my gosh, I just got lucky or that just happened for chance. And you're going to see the negative and illuminate that as what is true, what is important, what is, yep, see, there goes another bill. Here comes another bill, bigger than I thought. Yep. There comes another person saying no to my new pricing, disregarding the other two clients that you just signed at that new pricing. So there is an example sort of how we can see evidence and confirmation bias is continuing to keep us sort of in that loop. If your belief is that you are destined for success, that you are destined for wealth, then you're going to look for that evidence, that belief that shows you that it's true. So you're going to look at investments that you made that came back and that were amazing. You're going to see spaces where you charged more and it came back to you and you made a lot more money. You're going to see those types of things. You're going to discount the failures. You're going to discount the setbacks as, oh, that was just a learning moment, or that was just something very minor or temporary. So you can see this in all different ways and all different facets that you're going to, our life is full of evidence and we get to choose which evidence we put a lot of stock into. So, okay. If you have evidence like for spending, this is a huge, huge thing. I think about someone believes that buying luxurious items brings them happiness or having just the ability to keep one client, we're working on this, we're working on her just sort of constant desire to spend, sort of spontaneous spending, which is sabotaging her financial goals. So you have to dig into why do you have that desire, that belief, that habit around spending? If you have this sort of thing and you have this belief that being able to buy when you want or being able to buy that luxury item or go out to dinner and spend money on food whenever you want, if you believe that that brings happiness and fulfillment, then you're going to look for evidence of that, right? And so you're going to be like, yeah, see, I just felt so good. My mood just got so much better when I just bought the thing, when I walked in the store. And you're going to downplay the negative experiences like, and that put me into credit card debt that month or that I literally couldn't go buy a small gift for a friend or whatever the case may be. So obviously we could see how this can lead to patterns of 
consumption, patterns of impulsiveness, and it can limit our ability to hit our goals because we're just having this automatic response and this confirmation bias that's not serving us when it comes to habitual spending. Okay, that's just a fun one. So this shows you the importance of collecting evidence. If you collect evidence in certain places, that is what you're going to amp up. So I want you to think about one particular thing with your relationship with money that you want to change. And I want you to begin to look for different evidence. So if you want to change how you spend your money, I want you to look for evidence that, hey, I just did this really fun thing and it cost me no money. That would be an example, right? If you are looking for evidence that you have this identity around, I'm behind, I'm not on a financial trajectory I want to be on because I have debt and I can't save and I'm not investing then I want you to start to look for evidence that shows that you are that person. Look, I'm listening to this podcast. That's evidence right there. It can be very micro things. I'm choosing to put on a certain affirmation. I'm choosing to change my language, the small things. I'm choosing to log in and look at my bank account once a week. I'm choosing to open a new This would be a bit further step of like, I'm choosing to open a high yield savings account. I may only put $500 in there, but that's evidence that's collecting the evidence. Okay. The final thing I have for you, and this is kind of a weird one, but I thought it'd be a fun little way to end my reflections is I want you to think about your money as if you were in an actual relationship with it like a real relationship with money. Like it was a significant relationship, a really tight friend, a significant other. And I want you to put this filter on as you go throughout your days, as you go throughout this next week. And here's some examples of what I mean. So I hear people say things or have these beliefs like, I just feel like I wrestle with this idea of money being icky and the desire for it being something I shouldn't want to go after, or I feel like people who are rich or who have this financial stability, they are really self-important and arrogant. And so if that is how you speak to money, because we're making money a relationship so that you would be talking to your friend and being, I feel like you're self-arrogant. I feel like you think you're better than other people. I feel like you're all comfortable and have all this money and it causes you to be really disconnected from reality. How do you think that that will impact that relationship? Because we're humanizing this relationship with money in this reflection. They're probably going to need some distance from you, going to need you to tame it down. And so... I think that this is so interesting because I hear people and how they talk about money, which is an evidence of their beliefs, yet they're literally desiring financial freedom. So you can't be telling money, you're icky, and I don't know how I feel about you, and yeah, I want more of you. It's like, 
you're giving this very conflicting message out. Same like money, you're just complicated and I don't know how to manage you. And then you're going to see you don't, you know, and, and you're going to be like, okay, well, what is money supposed to do with that? So if you want to bring in more money into your world, you need to stop repelling it based on your beliefs, based on what you say to it. So I want you to humanize your relationship with money and put that filter on and see what happens. Okay. So thanks for joining me in today's conversation where I just give you some of my recent thoughts on the brain, human behavior, and how it impacts our relationship with money, our relationship with wealth. I would love to hear from you in the DMs, which one of these did resonated with you the most. So send me an Instagram DM. I'm serious. I love to audio back. I love to chat it up there. Was it the power of belief and the placebo effect, the importance of making small tweaks in your language, this idea of having sort of these psychological barriers and blocks at different levels with money, confirmation bias, and the importance of stacking positive evidence, or humanizing your relationship with money. So send it to me in the DMs, and that's all for today. So excited that you joined me. Are you a creative entrepreneur looking for next level support when it comes to your money mindset and management? It's time to get on top of your numbers once and for all. Do you want to upgrade your lifestyle, make a bigger impact in the world, or gain more time back into your day? Your big dreams are all coming back to one thing, money. So I've developed a secret sauce money matrix formula to combine the power of an abundance mindset with money management tools specifically for creative entrepreneurs like you. Stop hiding from your numbers and start getting strategic. Head to www.erinbridgman.com to learn everything you need to know about my coaching programs. It's time to completely transform and change the way you view and manage money so you can show up like the wealthy woman you are meant to be. Apply to work with me one-on-one at www.erinbridgman.com.